0: opera upstage i'm jesse
1: and i'm michelle
0: and today we're going to be talking about networking but before we get into that i just want to give you guys an update our next opera watch party will be on july 7th so we are not having an opera watch party this week we are only doing them on the second friday of every month but we're excited to do that and we hope you guys will join us it's on cast as always and there's a link to that in our bio And then if you enjoyed this episode, please, please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super helpful. It helps people find us. It lets us know what you think. Yeah.
1: Awesome. So we're really excited for this episode because networking is obviously something that's super instrumental to what we do. As a musician, you definitely need to be able to communicate with your peers and people above you and form relationships that help you throughout your career. But also networking is one of those things that I think just people in general are really awkward and scared about. So we're here to kind of unpack some steps that you can take um, when thinking about networking and when putting it into practice. So the way we kind of formatted this episode is we feel like there are three big questions when we're talking about networking. One being, who should I be networking with? How should I be networking? What exactly do I do? do when I do that? And what am I sending these people when I'm sending a cold email when I'm talking to them? What does that interaction look like? And perhaps the most important key feature is the follow-up. So once I've networked, once I've sent that cold email and I've talked to them, how do I maintain that relationship? And we're excited today because we actually have a third host with us. So here to join us today, we have Connor Whalen. He's a conductor based in Boston. So welcome, Connor. Hi. Hi.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, we're excited to have you on. So can you tell us just a little bit more about yourself in general?
2: Yeah, I did my undergrad in music at Murray State University. After school at Murray State, I decided that I wanted to pursue professional conducting. So I, I went to the Boston Conservatory at Berkeley here in Boston for my master's. And there I found my Passion mainly to be specifically in opera conducting working with orchestra and singers And I'm I was so intrigued by the whole rehearsal process that that's kind of what's Driven me through conducting. Um, I've spent time last summer um, Being one of the assistant conductors at Opera Neo working on Eugene Onyegin and Tenerentola which was a blast and then I've done gosh like six or seven other operas at BoCo and in Boston. Yeah
1: Awesome. We love to hear it. Awesome. Well, we're excited to have you on because part of the reason we brought Connor on is because, geez, when I think about networking and when I think about networking skills, Connor is basically the first person to come to mind. So we're excited to hear some of the input that he has. Yeah. So as we get into networking... We really can't stress enough how important it is to network. I mean, I think half of having a career in music is building those connections and fostering those relationships with people who, you know, you just find interesting and who are in a career field or related career fields with you, hopefully, you know, helping each other out along the way. So what would you say networking is kind of like? Like, how would you go about thinking of about networking as a whole? <laughs>
2: Yeah, networking as a whole, I mean, yeah, I mean, you said it, well, it's, it's the epitome of really any field, the people who are at the top of their game are not only the top performers, but they're also the people that everyone enjoys being around. In my mind, there are a couple things that make people succeed. And some of it is yes, is just kind of natural talent that people have, and they are drawn to a certain field. But the other two are hard work and networking your communication with others and those are kind of the the main points that help someone become successful i think and so networking you know it's so important to to network with those in your field but also those outside of your field i think because especially in something like music that we live off of tickets and off of donors and off of you know financial support from communities that the more you network not just in your field but outside of your field the more that the more tickets you sell the more donors you have the more successful you and your company incorporate whatever you're doing can be
1: definitely
0: I think the thing is it's like for singers because you're a conductor and not that that's terribly different from being a singer in terms of networking, but I think for singers we spend a lot of our time selling ourselves to audiences you know we tell people to come see our shows we post about it we talk about how you know, how much we love the music we do. And we don't spend nearly the same amount of time. Sounds bad, but selling ourselves to our colleagues and talking ourselves up because it's just very, you know, it's very common to be self-deprecating or silly or just feel insecure about reaching out and working on projects with people who are above you. And that's a really difficult thing, which I think you know, working with people who are above you, that brings us into our first question, which is who should we be talking to? Who should you be reaching out to? And who are the most important people for you to start networking with?
2: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I think for singers specifically, social media is such a big part of the industry now. So it's such a big part of like how you get your name, just your name and get some sort of recognition in the world. And I think that that is considered networking and it's a good way you know to to do that social media is like the constant summer festival like you know we use summer festivals not only as training programs but as ways to connect with people and network with people and grow grow our networks and social media is kind of the constant thing that we can use to do that the only difference is is that you need to do more than post on facebook and instagram of what you're doing and like how you're singing the thing that i think I think that singers s- struggle with, because they're so concentrated on how they sound and how their appearances on social media and, and getting noticed, is they lose touch with the personal email and the personal connection with one individual rather than the mass population of getting heard. The beauty of, of having both of those at her fingertips is that you can grow both ways.
0: It's sort of active versus passive. Posting isn't mm-hmm. inherently targeted at anyone. It's great if it brings people in, but it's not necessarily it's not necessarily to get jobs. It'd be great if people notice your videos or whatever you put out there, but those targeted emails that actually take people to your social media that say, like, I'm interested in the work you do. Yeah. And I'd like to work with you. Yeah. It's important to have both, definitely.
2: I know a guy who posted a video of him singing like a high C for nine seconds and he got an agent the next day. Like I mean it's it's <laughs> stuff like that that's just it's amazing because it yeah, it makes you interested. Yeah, I mean, about who to network with. <laughs> well, actually, one, one rule of thumb that it's funny. I was on the phone with my mom this morning that she and I told her that I was doing this. And she said what makes, what makes me a good networker, for instance, is, is that whenever someone gives me a phone number or an email or somebody to connect with, I always, always, always follow up with that person. And and that can lead into our conversation of cold calls and cold emails. But, I mean, we get so scared when someone's like, oh, I know this person that I think you could connect with. You should email them. You should get a hold of them. And a lot of us, I think, naturally are like, okay, thank you. Like, yeah, sure. And then we go home and we don't do it. <laughs> and that's fine. It's hard to go home and be like actively seek out how to connect to connect with that person but I guarantee you that that person who told you to connect with that person either talked about you to that person to expect something from you or that person knows that they're like a third wheel for you know to, to that person you know who they said to connect you with that that person probably has had done that before you know you always whenever someone anyone gives you a business card or anyone says a name that says hey I know this person you should connect with them. That is inviting you to use them to connect you with that person, to say, Michelle, I know, I know Jesse, they told me to connect with you, you know, and it's like, boom, all of a sudden you have some sort of relationship with that person through an outside source. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's going to raise the, you know, the ratio of, you know, who responds and who doesn't in your favor, I think.
1: Definitely. So. When, when talking about, you know, who should we be emailing, who should we be looking to reach out to, when you and I have spoken about this before, you kind of put it into two categories of people to reach out to. Can you talk a little mm-hmm. bit more about that?
2: Yeah, there are two categories. The first one is the most, what I think is the most important category. And it's the people who are in the position that you want to be five to 10 years from where you are now. The people who are not the cream of the crop, who are not the superstars of the world, but the people who, who, if you are just very humble and very honest with yourself, and you say, man, I would love to have that job in five to ten years, that's the person that you want to connect with. The others that are the people who are kind of like the superstars, are the people who have been in the field much longer than you have, are the veterans of the field, the ones who, you know... Usually, many times, especially in music, we have multiple jobs. So many times, it's those who also teach. I mean, Yannick, who is the conductor at the Met, I mean, Yannick it teaches at Curtis as well. He's the professor of conductor, conducting at Curtis. And so, you know, you find these people who are at the top of their game, but who also, because they know what the music experience is like, they're usually also educationally driven. And so many times... um they also teach at some sort of university and so those are the two main main categories and the one the veteran one you're probably not going to get as many responses from to be honest but the ones of the people five to ten years older are the ones who are gonna always be willing to offer advice and always be willing to have coffee or grab a drink and talk about themselves and their experience and how you can get to where they
1: are yeah absolutely
0: oh yeah i think people especially when you're talking about people who work in schools they're going to probably be much more receptive to answering your emails answering your calls being willing to make that time Mm -hmm. there's something about people who have given over part of their time to the academic setting already that you're going to find people who are a little more willing to answer oh yeah
2: (laughs) and also you know you know it's hard those people who work in academia who are also famous famous as in like the couple thousand musicians who know them their emails are also like they usually have a school email so just like you know shoot your shot go on their go on the school website and find their school email if you can't find their the one you want to connect with them i've done that so many times i was like and i've told i've said it in my cold emails i'm like i couldn't find any other way to contact you but i was able to find your school email (laughs)
1: Oh my
0: gosh. They're almost always available. And like I said, I think a lot of those people are pretty willing as long as you're polite to reach out and respond to you, even if they respond to say, like, I can't make the time right now. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, but I definitely think like reaching out to those people who are, you know, a couple steps ahead of you in your career are definitely the most ideal people to reach out to, because I think kind of the thing that we run into as young musicians is while there is so much value in you know, getting the chance to network with somebody who's like a cream of the crop, as you say, usually by the time they become the cream of the crop, the atmosphere and like the business is no longer the same as what we're going through with now. So you're not always going to get the most relevant advice from, you know, top stars who like might not have even been rising when social media was a thing, you know. So there are like so many different differences between the business that we're in now and the business that they rose to fame in then
2: yeah so yeah. being
1: able to talk to people who have been in basically the same business or a much more similar business and have taken the steps that you want and that are more attainable to where you're at right now is definitely the ultimate type of person to be talking to
2: And also the the cream of the crop people there are many of them that uh just kind of were found and were lucky
1: yeah, that don't definitely. Yeah,
2: I think Joyce DiDonato is a great example of someone who who really worked a lot to get to where she was or where she is, because I mean she did the summer festival stuff, she did the apprentice programs, she, you know, she did kind of what is today's normal. Yeah. And but there are quite a few people who summer programs weren't even really a thing, you know. Yeah. And it's like you just got found by somebody you were just really good and you got lucky you know so yeah that's a good point
0: i don't actually have a an answer to this one but i think here's another just thing that i think about a lot as a singer in terms of the who do you reach out to obviously we're going to reach out to other singers for their advice and their mentorship but for us it's also important to reach out for to people who are not just singers because singers rarely hold the power in a room it takes a long time before a singer holds the power in any room. But that brings up an important point. Like Some, some of the p- best people I've gotten opportunities from were choral directors that I used to work for who will call you back in to do solo work after you graduate, things like that. So I, I think for the audience that listens to this podcast, it's important to think about who specifically are singers, do singers benefit from reaching out to. I actually think coaches are an underrated oh, networking yes. tool for singers because you almost all coaches you can actually still go and work with even if you're not a part of those opera houses and that is a great inroad and it teaches you a lot about what to expect you're much you find yourself on much better footing when you do get into those spaces
2: yeah coaches and conductors are the people you want to connect with coaches and conductors are the ones that yeah like you said i mean until you're a huge name as a singer coaches and conductors are the ones that can pull the strings to get you hired no matter what there are many places where the coaches sit in on all the auditions. Because, like, so, you know, there are some instances where the where the back office people just aren't musicians. But they run those apprentice programs, and they run who gets hired and who doesn't. So they need people who know what they're talking about to also sit in the auditions. And, and frequently, you know, conductors, we travel so much, unless we have a home orchestra or a home opera house, we're music directors or, you know whatever at multiple places and so we won't be in those auditions you know and so who who's this who's the who who are the people after us and it's always the the rehearsal pianists and the coaches people who know the voice and people who know how to train a voice
1: yeah definitely i think singers rarely get work from singers especially of your same voice type so really networking outside of your field in those related fields coaches conductors directors Yada yada, yada, is definitely more helpful, I think, than connecting with other singers sometimes.
0: I was about to joke. I was about to say, I was like, Yeah, I've profited very little from my friendship with Michelle.
2: <laughs> me too. <laughs>
0: well, That's me, not well, true, Michelle. You gave me one of my, my... first jobs in singing.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: Well, we're we're all here to we're all here to help each other out, right? So kind of aside from that five to ten year person that we've been discussing. Connor, what's your opinion on reaching out to the the leader of these programs, of these orchestras, of these organizations? Because sometimes I think that there's some hesitation to reach out to those people because I think sometimes we automatically assume they're going to be too busy to answer us. But what have you found from your experience?
2: Always reach out to the leaders of young artist programs. Always. Always. I think that actually, you know, the, the leaders of the artistic directors and are actually probably easier to connect with than the people than like the singers that you want to connect with the most. Mainly because those people who run programs, a half of their life is spent in their email box because of the amount of people they have to work with to run a program. Saying that a listener might think like, Oh well then my email's just gonna get lost in the shuffle It's like, No. I promise you it doesn't. They get through all of them eventually, you know, and from personal experience, I've even emailed like artistic directors of summer companies and apprentice programs that don't even have stuff for conductors, for young conductors, and was just like, I know that you don't have anything for me, but I would like to come anyway.
0: <laughs> and
2: <laughs> and they responded. They're like, you know, that's right. We don't really have anything. And, you know. Since, you know, this was, I would send these when I was in grad school and they would say like, you know, you're, you're still in grad school. You're a bit young for the, for, to be able to conduct um, at our company, but send your resume. And it's like, oh, okay. No matter what, be willing to, to reach out and say, are you willing, I know you don't have this, but are you willing to either create something or to, you know, consider me coming anyway or connect me with, to somebody who can help. It's the same thing applies to grad schools. The likelihood of you getting in and being recognized by a, by a company is so much higher if you reach out to the leaders of the company. because
0: The only reason I ended up going to the university I did was because I already knew a student of uh, the teacher. So A, I knew mm-hmm. the teacher was great. And B, I had a connection with that teacher and my friend also vouched for me. And so that teacher went to bat for me when it came down to funding. Yeah, Like, you know, connections really are everything.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I think that goes back to what networking is. Networking, the purpose of networking is not to get something out of it. It's kind of like investments. You're not investing into a stock or into funds for tomorrow you're not investing into it to like buy a really nice car in a year you're investing because you want to be able to retire and be very comfortable for the rest of your life. You, you know, you're, you're investing for the future. And I think the same thing is with networking. You're networking not for a job or not for a coaching or a lesson or whatever you're networking because that person eventually could lead you to something bigger than where you're at now. But that should never be your expectation when you first connect with somebody. I always see people who do that and then they just end up getting bad luck from it.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, nobody wants to feel used.
2: Yeah, have the best intention.
0: And remember that the other people, these these five to ten years to the cream of the crop, are all human beings.
2: Yeah. One of the biggest rules I have, I was told at Opera Neo, Peter Kozma has been a wonderful An absolutely wonderful mentor, and he's a phenomenal director and musician. Peter and I have become quite close, and he told me last summer I was in NEO, he said, there are a couple rules that you need to know to make it in the music field. And rule number one is don't be a dick. Because (laughs) no one wants to hire, and no one wants to work with someone who's a dick. And (laughs) it's probably the most true statement out there nothing comes from being a dick it's just it's such a simple rule but there's so many people who break it who who you know who send an email and it's like you can literally read it and you're like i do not want to connect with this person you know
0: i think that actually rolls us into the next part pretty cleanly how do you reach out to people and make sure you don't sound like a dick
2: (laughs) yeah so i don't as much anymore because i've been able to grow my network Pretty well um, for the past couple of years, but I used to take one day, or one even one morning a week, and dedicate that one morning to networking. It's it is hard to find the people that you want to connect with. Writing the email itself, you should be fully concentrated on that email, and read every every sentence. Punctuation is a big thing. Don't do two exclamation points in a row oh my god me because it's it's true it's true i actually learned that because then you you look back at it after you send and you're like god i look like a five-year-old writing this like Uh,
1: what? literally Um, me in every email i ever send ever i still
0: send my mom important emails to proofread for me so yeah it's always good to have somebody willing to read it because sometimes we honestly don't understand how we come off yeah so if you have somebody who will proofread for you always good always great because they also catch your mistakes
2: yeah (laughs) yeah but i mean you know i think michelle and i have talked about this before never send and this might be i don't know if there might be people that disagree with this but i i am a firm believer in this idea never send your resume or a video link to you performing in a first email never oh no never do they'll it they'll let you it know is, if
0: they want anything
2: it is the worst idea possible because because they have no reason to email you back you can email them a resume and all of a sudden it's like okay i get 20 of these a week or 50 of these a week i'll just add it to my pile
0: Even then, the subtle way to do that is to just put your website in your signature, because that's considered both professional and uh, unintrusive. If they want to see your videos, if they want to see your resume, you have this lovely website, hopefully, to show them.
2: And then the second point I make is that if and when they respond to your email and you've communicated a little bit, I always ask if they want to see my resume. If they haven't already asked me, you know, I'll just give you an example of a cold email so i'll say you know hello you know blah 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 you know i introduce myself i introduce a little bit of my background where i did my masters what i'm doing now and then i do like the the gloating of them i say like oh i admire you know i do admire your work and it's truthful you never want to lie about it but you say you know i really admire your work i've been following what you've been doing at x place You know, you're somebody that I really do look up to and I think that you're you're a terrific artist and you're somebody that I would really, really enjoy connecting with, I think. And if you have any time in the near future, I would love to either meet you in person for a coffee, obviously not now because of COVID, but I would love to to have a phone conversation with you and and just get some advice and hear your story and hear like the experiences that you've had and make it because everyone loves talking about themselves Everyone loves telling people about because we're not all such a big deal where we can write a memoir, you know, that people actually want to read. So whenever we get the chance to tell people about our experiences and about, you know, how we've got to where we are, we always take advantage of it. And so, you know, if you ask people to do that, they're most likely going to say yes. And then once they talk about themselves, about like 95 percent of the time, they're like, what about you? Your turn, because they've had their chance. And I think every phone, every cold, cold email and cold phone call I've had has ended with, please send me your tapes and your resume, because they realized that it wasn't about me just sending them stuff to to review. It was about, it was about just me listening to them and making a connection with them. We live in such a fast-paced world that not a lot of people take the time to do that anymore.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly the thing: is to ask about their personal projects, their path, and then to ask them for their advice. Because, I mean, people genuinely do love giving advice. It's why we do so many master classes. It's because Mm -hmm. usually both people enjoy it.
2: Yeah, and it's just it's kind of the natural thing in musicians. It's we're the ones that get to talk.
0: (laughs) We're the ones
2: that are, you know, center stage and doing something useful for other people and people are paying attention to us that's not to be condescending it's just in human nature to that we all are drawn to be noticed one way or another we made a whole
0: podcast about it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> just to make people listen to our thoughts um <laughs> Um, but the nice thing is, is that even in quarantine, we're not really unable to do this. Because I, I agree with you in that, the fact that, like, email is probably one of the best and easiest ways to reach out to people. It takes the time pressure off of anything. Nobody has to answer an email right away. It's mm-hmm. not like a phone call or anything else where people feel the need, like, I have to get back to these people. It's a, re- it's a pretty unintrusive way to connect with people if you don't know them very well.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I love email. I tell this story somewhat frequently whenever I talk about networking because it's like my claim to fame of networking. <laughs> if people listening don't know who Roderick Williams is as a as a baritone, I mean, Roderick Williams is the epitome of English song. I mean, the dude is absolutely incredible and also the nicest human I've probably ever met. Roddy has sung basically all 20th century British baritone music that it, like exists and he's still doing more that are just unknown. Well, excuse me, he's Sir Roderick now. But I, so I was singing, I was singing a, a Finzi cycle and I, I admired him for his interpretation so much so that I wanted to connect with him and I could find no other way besides Facebook to connect with him. And so I just, I sent him a Facebook message with the same exact outline that I described for an email and he responded. And the first message that he said was, I would love to connect with you here's my email (laughs) because it's just, it's the best and easiest way to communicate with people, you know, and we've exchanged notes on, on Finzi and, and on other composers and we still stay in touch to this day. And, you know, a couple years ago, he invited me to Chicago for the week to spend with him in the music of the Baroque with Jane Glover. And it was really just an incredible experience. And, so, you know, my advice is always try to email people, but if you can't, Facebook is okay to send a message. The only nervous yeah. thing about Facebook is you can see if they've read it or not. <laughs> 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 and and I've sent many email or many, I've sent a few Facebook messages where they've definitely have read it and they've never responded. But if I ever <laughs> meet that person, I have something to tell them. I have something <laughs> to say to them. I why didn't say, it's you like, respond
1: to my facebook message yeah i mean it's like it's like
2: it's like dwight Schrute sending christmas cards to people he hasn't met before and he's like well now i have something to talk to them about oh my god blessed that's networking That that's networking for you left unread.
0: Yeah. red yeah <sighs> no
1: they're, they're definitely i mean i think that we all universally acknowledge that email is by far the most accessible and professional form of communication hmm online so yeah whenever email is possible obviously that should always be your first choice but I guess in select circumstances uh you can message somebody over Facebook but I think the important thing to note about what you said is that even when you're reaching out to somebody over social media you still want to format it as if it were an email
2: oh
0: yeah oh yeah Yeah. well and let me say this the nice thing about email is uh, for the socially anxious among among all of us the worst case scenario for an email is really one of two things. They for some reason don't see it, gets in the junk folder for some reason, whatever, or they ignore it. It would be difficult for you to write an email that is truly so bad that they remember that you wrote it. You'd have to <laughs> you'd have to mess up on a scale that is unbelievable. So Well, just I would try like it. to
2: say that that <laughs> Oh. <laughs> that's true and and not I mean, I remember terrible emails. That I've gotten.
0: But do you, do you remember exactly who sent them to you?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm <laughs> trying because... to help the socially awkward. <laughs> and Connor's yeah, like, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> Connor's like, no, no. I remember all of my worst emails. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, my go tip,
2: ahead. My tip to those who are really nervous about cold emails is that that's the easiest Well, actually, this is not a very good tip. This is an awful (laughs) tip. But so let me just let me use a story about this. So so someone came to me and was like, you know, you're you're a great networker. Like, how do you do it? Like, how do you just cold email people? And I was like, you know, you, you just my mother has always told me that the answer is already no. And it's the same thing with emails. You already don't know the person. You already never talk to them. So if they don't respond to you, you're exactly where you were before you sent them an email. You're not connected. Who cares? But this person came to me and was like, how do you just network with people? How do you just contact them? And I was like, I looked them straight in the eye and said, imagine when they respond and they want to meet you in person. If you're nervous about the email, imagine when they invite you. You think you're nervous about writing an email? You're sitting behind a screen, sister. Wait until you go, you know, have to meet them face to face. So, the email should be the least of your worries. That's the easiest part. (laughs) Especially music. Music's the easiest field of networking because we're all so weird.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. We've all got the same weird niche interests.
2: Yeah. So, it's like, you think that you're weird? Like, imagine the person that you're about to meet. They're probably really fucked up somehow. Like, who cares? Like, <laughs> but
0: I think on. you're right, too, when you were talking about reaching out about the finzy. One of the best places to start is just talk about something that they're working on or they have worked on that you're also working on. Because there's mm-hmm. a, an endless amount of questions in the research we do for our pieces. And it's just a great place to start. And from there, you'll kind of get a hang on where to go from there.
2: Yeah, once you've written one email, you've written all of them.
0: The other thing that's really great about that is that when you ask a question to somebody you give them a reason to write back to you Mm
2: -hmm. there is
0: an inherent i expect an answer in that not in a rude way but the expectation that they should respond is important because if you just write saying i love your work that's just a fan email nobody has to answer that (laughs) but having a question i mean that's conversation 101. if you want a conversation to keep going ask questions yeah and when you're asked questions ask give an answer that leads into further conversation. I mean, some of this is conversational skill.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But the thing is, the thing is, is that for many people, networking is not a conversational skill. It's just another skill, but it's not. But we see it as that. We see it as like, I'm either a good networker or not. And I'm like, well, you're talking to me right now. That's all it is. Once you've written... One email, whether it's to a professor or to someone you really admire or to your mom, you've written all your emails. Like, it's just an email. And these people are just people. The, the best way to first contact with people is obviously email. And after or even in that first email, like I was saying in the outline, always say, I would love to talk to you about this if you have the time. And usually, you know, many times they'll say yes. And then they just, like, send you their phone number, and they're like, I'm free this time. You know, give me a ring if you if you would like. Always request another form of communication. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And it's like, so always, always say, like, you know, I would love to talk to you on the phone, or I would love to get coffee, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, in undergrad, it, you know, those who can, you can look it up on a map, but, like, Murray, Kentucky is a small rinky-dink, well, it's not rinky-dink, it's a beautiful <laughs> little town. But it's this small town in southwestern Kentucky by Paducah. And I emailed all of the orchestras in the region, all of them, all the music directors. And I told them, I said, I would love to observe you work. I would love to be able to ask you questions. I would love to blah, blah, blah. Is there a time that I could drive to you and see you work? And they all said yes. And... You know, there was one day I drove all the way to Dayton, Ohio. I woke up at four in the morning and I drove all the way to Dayton, Ohio to meet with Neil Gittleman. And Neil hosted me all day and then took me to dinner after the concert, you know, and it's like if you offer to set something up, people will usually respond. I think that's a big thing. People don't mind connecting with you and networking with you, but they don't want to be the ones that have to do the work for it.
0: Yeah, nor should they
1: right? That's not yeah. their responsibility if you're reaching out yeah. to them. Yeah.
0: I mean, taking on that is definitely uh, the best way to go about it.
1: Yeah, no, that's a lot of really great advice. So I feel like to those who are listening who now feel like they know how to find the person they want to email and kind of how to craft that email, and they're feeling pumped, I think it would be a huge mistake to not bring up one of the most important parts of networking, is which is the follow-up, right? So once you've done all of the networking and sent that first email and maybe you've even corresponded with this person a couple times. It's kind of all for nothing if you don't continue to follow up, right? Because then you made a connection and then if you never talk to them again, what was it all for, you know? So networking without following up is just kind of useless. So do you have any suggestions on on the follow-up process, Connor?
2: For us, networking, are, we're the ones that reach out. I'm pretty old-fashioned and I keep a book of a list of contacts and their info and little like anecdotes that I've learned about them. I know that I said, you know, I can't go through a podcast without an like these an office reference like <laughs> Michael Scott has a little like Rolo, Rolodex thingy of like the info cards. Though like I basically do that but in a notebook. And, like, he he was actually not the most idiotic person in the world when he came to networking. Michael Scott was actually a genius when it came to networking, <laughs> which I think is so funny. And I write down, like, when I last connected with them. And when I'm, like, on a train or because I, I don't have a car, so I just, you know, I have to take public transportation places. So if I'm on, like, you know, the T in Boston or a bus or whatever, I, I scroll through my emails and I'm, I think of certain people. I'm like, I wonder when the last time I connected with that person was. And if I haven't connected with them in a while, I write it down and I remember to go back and email them. So for me, I think like twice, three times a year, you know, is good enough. I think because usually after you've corresponded with that person, this is also a good point when it comes to social media is when do you friend request or like do something, you know, whatever with that person after you've networked with someone new. Only after you've actually met the person, I think, or called them. I think I think it's okay to do it after you call them because you have like a 45 or an hour long phone call with them so you, you know why not but yeah I think I think 2 to 3 times a year is good and in every email that you send to them ask them what they're up to ask them what they're doing because for for Roddy I mean Roddy was going to perform pre-covid in Philadelphia and New York and he said i'll send you the dates and you should come down again and we should meet up again and so the, all these people that you network with always say like you know what are you i'm still in boston i'm still doing this i'm still you know i'm i'm i have a show coming up i'm you know assisting conducting three shows this season it's great blah 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 for you know and what are you up to you know i would love to meet up with you if you're in the area you know i you know i can take a train to you whatever you know and so you always offer to say like you know if you're in the area let me know and um and that's nice because they probably have a website or some sort of source that says when they have things like a calendar of events but like it's always nice to ask them personally and say what do you have what's going on you know how's the family how's this i think that it's so important to be human with those people and say you know i hope that you know you you're healthy and blah 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 and I think that the more human with the, you are with those, with those interactions, the more you can consider each other as colleagues rather than just some acquaintance on the street.
0: Yeah. Music is also just, you know, being a working musician or a working conductor or anything, it's intensely lonely. We're constantly traveling and we don't always know people in yeah. the places we go to. And so having a friendly face to go and see like whether they're coming to your city or you're going up to see them, that continuity yeah. is is actually really lovely and it makes it people more likely to reconnect with you anyway because sometimes people want a break from the people they're working with all day.
2: Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, when you connect with those people, you get to meet more people if they're coming to your city and they're like, you know, I mean, Tom was, Tom Cooley, again, was singing the famous Messiah with the Boston Baroque. Tom came up to sing for that and we got lunch and he said you should come. You should come by and like you know, we can all go out afterwards. And unfortunately I had I had gigs that I so I couldn't do it. But like when you connect with those people after a few times and you continue to send those emails, the more invited you get to things, the more invitations you receive of we have an after party, we have a musicians get together at a bar tonight before the concert tomorrow you know all, all this stuff and all of a sudden you become invited to these things you know i yeah i've had a great privilege of meeting some really esteemed musicians just from being invited to a party from someone that i cold emailed it's yeah it's so easy
0: So I think, you know, I think that about covers the who, how, what and the follow up for networking. And I think, you know, if we were going to boil it down to a couple things, the who is both a couple of people at the top of your field, but also really importantly, the people who are five to 10 years ahead of where you are. And you can connect to those people either by setting aside some time to find them or also reach out to people you already know who may already have those contacts. The how? Email. Email is always, always a great place to start. Be kind, be a person, don't be a dick. (laughs) Ask questions about them and try to get a conversation going. And as the what? Don't put in your resume or your videos. Not right off the bat. They'll usually ask and if they don't, somewhere along the way you can ask them if they want to see them. And then for the follow up, always, always, always follow up and take notes. You know, Some of these people you're not gonna be in constant contact with. You may not remember the details of your conversation five months down the line. So it's really important to just jot down a couple things so that when you come back and talk to them again, you have something to talk about. And it makes it seem like you aren't just, just cold calling. And now, right now, this time is the perfect time to do so. There has never been better access to some of these people because we're all kind of on hold at this moment. The music world in many ways is unfortunately on hold. So if you want to connect with these people and talk with them and get their advice, this is one of the best times to take advantage of that because there is just more time right now.
1: So awesome. Thank you so much to Connor for joining us. Uh, You had so many great points and a lot of good things for us to think about, both as singers and musicians as a whole. If you want to follow Connor, you can follow him on Instagram at Connor underscore Whalen Conductor. There's a link to it in our episode bio. But thanks so much for joining us, guys. If you don't already, you can follow us at Opera Offstage, both on Facebook and Instagram, or check out our website for some exclusive content. That's opera-offstage.com. And we'll see you next time, guys. Bye. Bye.